Hello. Um, I made uh, a video a while ago about the idea that um, the slightly flawed idea that uh, US accents represent uh, a, a continuation, a preservation of uh, original, older uh, British accents. Um, but I didn't really go into much detail about what the similarities and differences uh, between modern US accents and older British accents actually were. So I thought, um, since American, uh, American accents are very interesting and I've not really talked about them much on this channel, um, I would do a video today comparing uh, a modern US accent with uh, David Crystal's reconstruction of what uh, a Shakespearean sort of accent might have sounded like. Um, now, early 1600s British accents can be reconstructed with quite a lot of accuracy because we have... Uh, for one thing, we have a lot of text from the time that we can base things on in terms of um, poetic meter and rhyme, tell us a lot about what words rhymed and what, you know, how stress uh, was distributed across words. Um, and also people were writing about language and pronunciation at that point in a, in a, a way that was approaching a modern way. Um, so we have a very good idea of how things were pronounced back then. David Crystal's done a very good job of uh, consolidating that information. Um, the, the US accent I'm going to use is, um, it's going to be a broadly southern US accent. Now obviously there are regional differences and, and state differences in accents, um, but I'm going to use a, a relatively conservative, relatively rural southern US accent, a combination of features from across the south, um, and it's going to be a rhotic accent, uh, although many southern US accents are non-rhotic. Um, a couple of things to bear in mind, or one, one major thing to bear in mind, obviously just like in the US and just like in Britain today, in Shakespeare's time there would have been a lot of variation um, in accents across the country. Um, now the accent David Crystal has reconstructed is largely based on um, poetic literature like Shakespeare's, play, uh, Shakespeare's plays, Shakespeare's sonnets, things like that. Um, this does not necessarily represent Shakespeare's actual accent. It's just the accent that his plays were intended to be written in. His plays were designed to be written in. So it might be his accent. Uh, it might be a generic London accent. It might be a generic Southern accent. Either way, it was an accent people considered to be um, a, a typical or a, nor a normal Southern accent um, in, in the late 1500s and early 1600s. So this is... Um, post-Great Vowel Shift. One thing you'll have heard about um, if you've looked into the history of English is the Great Vowel Shift. Um, and it's, it's important to remember Shakespeare, um, although maybe the Great Vowel Shift was still happening in parts of the country when he was young, um, by the time he was, he was very famous, uh, it pretty much already happened. Certainly in the South it had already happened. Um, so we're talking about a post-Great Vowel Shift accent here. That, that has no effect on anything. Um, so first I'm going to read uh, a little passage from Shakespeare in uh, this, this generic southern US accent and then I'm going to read it in um, this reconstructed early 1600s British accent. Is this a dagger which I see before me? The handle toward my hand, come let me clutch thee. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art thou not, fatal vision, sensible? To feeling is to sight, or art thou but a dagger of the mind, a false creation, proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain? I see thee yet in form as palpable as this which now I draw.
and now in a uh, reconstructed early 1600s southern English accent. Is this a dagger which I see before me? The handle toward my hand, come let me clutch thee. I have thee not, and yet I say thee still. Art thou not fatal vision, sensible? To failing as to sight, or art thou but? A dagger of the mind, a false creation. Proceeding from the hair-depressed brain, I see thee yet in form as palpable, as this which know I draw. Now the big one, and the one everyone mentions, uh, is roticity, the pronunciation of a r sound in, in all positions where it appears historically or where it appears in spelling. Now in my accent, and in, in, in most um, English accents, that is, accents in England, um, excluding West Country ones and certain Northern ones, Lancastrian ones, um, you have uh, something called non-roticity. So a r sound will not be realised as a r unless there's a vowel after it. So in the word car, I don't pronounce the r. I only pronounce it in a word like um, round, where there's a vowel after it. And there's a thing called the intrusive r or the linking r, um, but that's, that's not really relevant to either of the accents we're discussing. Um, whereas in, uh, in Shakespeare's accent and um, in um, a modern US accent, or in a lot of modern US accents, you have roticity, so you have the r being pronounced in all, in all positions where it appears in spelling. Um, now it's important to remember in some in some southern US accents um, there is not roticity, there is non-roticity as there is in my accent. Um, one thing this passage doesn't show as well um, is the appearance of T tapping or flapping. Um, now this happens in certain US accents, probably most US accents actually, where um, when there is a strong vowel and then a t and then a weak vowel, that is a, a vowel in a, a stressed syllable, a t and then a, a vowel in an unstressed syllable, the t will turn into a, an alveolar tap, era. So an example of this is the word butter. In my accent it's b a t a. In, um, uh, for example, a southern US accent it would be butter or butter, and I don't know if I'm saying that quite right, um, but in a Shakespearean accent, it was probably uh, pronounced with the full quality of the t, butter, something like that. The vowels are where the most significant differences pop up, not surprisingly. Um, now, I've told you about um, the great vowel shift, which has already happened by Shakespeare's time, but there's another one that's happened um, between Shakespeare's time and today in southern US accents called the Southern American vowel shift or the Southern US vowel shift. Um, now, one example of this um, is the re-monophonization of the vowel in the word shine, um, in the word bright, things like that. Um, so in Shakespeare's day, this vowel has diphthongized, um, shine. In my accent, it's diphthongized as well, shine. Um, in some US accents, in some southern US accents, it's a slight diphthong, shine, but then in some, it's totally monophonized again. Shan. And this isn't a retention of the original monophthongization. It is broken with the great vowel shift and then it's re-smoothed, re-monophthongized in Southern American uh, accents. And this has, has caused a change shift in vowels, which is where one, one vowel sort of pushes other vowels to change. Um, and this happens because um, vowels, we, we sort of 
subconsciously, unconsciously try to avoid vowel mergers. Um, occasionally do get situations where two vowels will merge and certain sounds, um, certain words will end up sounding identical to each other. Um, but we don't want too many, we don't want too many vowel mergers because that, um, that increases ambiguity in a language. So if enough sounds merge with each other, um, then the inventory of words within the language goes down and then ambiguity increases and things start to get confusing. So we naturally, it's a simplistic way of putting it, but we naturally avoid vowel mergers and sound mergers in general. Um, so you get these things called chain shifts where one, one sound will change and it will push other sounds away or drag other sounds into its place to increase the symmetry and to, to decrease the ambiguity in the language. So this monophonization of the the I vowel to A has pushed other vowels around it into other um, situations. So um, uh, in, in certain short vowels you get in some cases vowel, semi-vowel, vowel clusters. So rat, nail, where in Shakespeare's time you would, you would have rat and no. Crystal suggests that in unstressed syllables in Shakespeare's time, like words ending with ing, the ng sound was fronted and becomes n. So, um, in or un. So, um, it would be feeling instead of feeling. This kind of reduction also happens in Southern American English. Feeling instead of feeling. Um, I think there's a bit of wordplay in this passage that doesn't work in any modern accent that I know of. Um, and that is in the line proceeding from the hair to pressed brain. Now here, both hate and heat are probably pronounced with the same vowel in Shakespeare's accent, heat. So to somebody listening, this could be heat oppressed brain or hate oppressed brain. So that's a bit of wordplay that doesn't work uh, in any modern accent. Because um, in both my accent and a typical Southern American accent today, this vowel is a slight diphthong rather than the monophthong it was in Shakespeare's time. Now, Crystal suggests that the way prosody and stress affected vowels must have been different in Shakespeare's time, uh, based on how he uses these things in poetic metre. I would make the comparison to later Cumbrian in terms of vowel reduction, or to modern Dutch if you're more familiar with that. So lots and lots of weakening of sounds, lots of elisions, um, pretty much all pronouns would have had an unstressed version, so me would have had the unstressed version m, thou would have had the unstressed version the. I would have had uh. Um, so it's obviously not natural because it's poetry, but if we were to apply Crystal's elision patterns to the first few lines as if they were just a normal person talking quickly, we'd get something like Is this a dagger which I say before me? The handle toward my hand, come let me clutch the. I have the knot and yet I see the still. Or thou not fatal vision sensible. Sorry for the jump there, there was a bird making lots of very lovely sounds in that tree there. Um, but it's gone now, so... Um, this kind of uh, weakening of pronouns, as far as I know, happens uh, to some extent in Southern American English, but not to the same extent. Uh, and it happens very, very little in my dialect of English. So you can sort of be weakened to ye in certain positions in my own idiolect. Um, but it, it doesn't sound very natural in most situations. As I say, in later Cumbrian, this kind of weakening of pronouns was quite commonplace, um, and we see it shown in writing a lot. Older speakers still do it. Dutch has this kind of weakening as well, uh, and it's even standard in Dutch to represent this in writing. So, uh, for example, in the sentence, begrijp je me, begrijp je me. 
Um, I'm not a Dutch speaker, so that might have been pronounced a bit dodgily. Um, the voiceless h sound was probably present in most speakers in words like what, when in the early 1600s. Um, and this sounds retained by some speakers in the American South. Um, so my understanding is that most younger speakers uh, and even middle-aged speakers now probably, probably don't use it most of the time, but some older speakers do. Um, it's pretty much unheard of in ordinary speech where I'm from, um, even in older speakers. There is an accent that people pick out as being more sort of English sounding than other US accents, and that is the high tider accent. Um, spoken on certain islands off the east coast and when I first heard this I was taken aback by how unlike other US accents it sounded in terms of the realisation of certain vowels and also in terms of prosody and the sort of flow of speech. Um, the phrase um, south side would be pronounced something like south side, south side, south side. I might be saying that very very wrong but it's something like that. Um, the, you know, the vowel qualities reminded me a lot of West Country vowel qualities or, or, or even Australian vowel qualities. Um, now this isn't actually that similar to a 1600s English accent, um, at least in the south. You'd, you'd have something more like south side, with uh, vowels starting in a very central position. Um, and in West Country accents today and in High Tider accents today, the vowels start in a fairly peripheral position by the sound of it. Um, but it's interesting how these, these developments may have happened in parallel with each other. Um, that's, that's something very interesting. It's certainly a very interesting accent uh, to, to study um, in terms of its relation to other US accents. I haven't, I haven't really done any studying of it at all. I've just sort of examined it for 10 minutes um, while researching this video, but it's very interesting. The thing to take away here, I think, is that no accent has stayed the same over the last 400 years. Um, whether that be a, a British accent or a, a US accent, no accent stays exactly the same over a period of 200 years. Um, there are too many variables within accents, and accents change too much, pronunciation changes too frequently for any accent to be exactly the same as it was 400 years ago. Um, but as David Crystal points out quite a lot, um, most of us can listen to a Shakespearean accent and identify something in it that we can spot in our own accents today. Um, and so that is the end of that video. Thank you very much for watching, and I will see you soon.